Welcome to The Workforce Solution, a storytelling series by Health Carousel, designed to provide insights and solutions for the healthcare staffing industry today and tomorrow. Earl Dalton is the Chief Nursing Officer at Health Carousel. He's been a nurse for 25 years and has been leading Health Carousel through staffing challenges for the last five. He'll be joining us in the new expert series of The Workforce Solution to deep dive on a series of industry-relevant topics bringing his expert knowledge and experience to the podcast, along with actionable ideas and solutions for the top issues plaguing the healthcare industry today. In this episode, Earl goes beyond the obvious to explain how a nurse that is short-staffed impacts both the patient and the nurses they work with. He also offers one simple solution for nurse leaders to better predict their staffing needs and shortages in coming months. I get the opportunity to uh, to move around the country and visit lots of uh, facilities, lots of healthcare systems that are um, attempting to serve their patients in their communities. And uh, I think the thing that probably sets us apart the most uh, is a couple of things. One, uh, the level of support you get from Health Carousel is second to none. And so when we uh, travel around the country and visit hospitals, uh, we're often told uh, it's our model of support that sets us apart. And so if you get into that a little deeper, it really gets into um, uh, the clinical competency that uh, that Health Carousel has built out. And so um, uh, we have great account management and sort of business acumen and certainly uh, help companies, uh, hospitals be the most efficient they can be there. Staffing shortages for nurses are being felt across the country, but especially right now. Who's affected by these shortages? Why are they happening? And what can we do to better predict and adapt to demand? When a nursing unit gets short-staffed, um, the, the people that feel that the most are the patients. And so what we typically see are the the uh, customer satisfaction surveys that uh, an organization is giving to its patients uh, and or out-and-out out quality measures where it's objectively measured around infection rates and things like that. What we'll see is uh, a drop in those uh, in those objective measurements, um, either the call lights are going too long, people's pain are, are left unmanaged too long, and it's because there's just not enough help uh, where where it's needed, where the care transacts right at at a uh, patient's bedside, and so um, this typically uh, at some point will get noticed by the C-suite team uh, as they look at in aggregate how a unit is performing. Uh, that typically leads to a negative conversation with the nursing unit director, uh, and then of course down to the unit manager. Um, and then in staff meetings, et cetera, uh, what you end up with is a staff that is uh, already short, uh, morale is dropping, um, and uh, and typically the conversations uh, you know become tough around we've got to raise the bar, the patients need more and need us to do better. Um, and what that leads to is additional turnover. Uh, where nurses just get burnt out and overworked, uh, then the morale continues to drop, um, and you have good nurses that uh, otherwise would have been maintained had we maintained the staffing, um, and they end up leaving the organization. In healthcare, uh, there are a lot of tough jobs. Uh, there may not be any tougher job than being a nursing unit director um, and nursing manager, uh, right? And so those folks are responsible for all of the objective quality measures of a patient's care, uh, along with uh, their experience of the care. Um, how much they've enjoyed the care. 
um, you know, so you start getting into customer satisfaction side as well. Um, and so all of those things sort of smash together on top of uh, the unit director and the unit manager. Uh, and so uh, what that means is, is that on any given day, uh, there are likely more issues that a unit manager and director have to deal with uh, than there are hours in that day to deal with it. Um, and so it's easy to let things um, sort of get in your blind spot. Um, and uh, and so, you know, one nurse turnover may not seem like that much, uh, but one uh, quickly leads to three. And before you know it, um, you know, you have a catastrophe sort of um, like we have with the COVID-19 uh, or natural disasters, things that you didn't see coming where census rises um, and now you're not able to overcome um, the staffing barrier because, um, because you have um, more demand than you have nurses to be able to provide the care. What about staffing models? What's out there? And how can nursing managers find a model that works for them? Are these models and formulas the solution to chronic staffing shortages? According to Earl, a predictive staffing model is more of the secret sauce and not something you would find in traditional nursing literature. Many of the clients he coaches on this are hearing about it for the first time. You can start to be predictive over uh, what on any given day is going to be your future um, nurse count or your nurse uh, patient count, and then what is the likely nurse count uh, to that patient count. And so um, there, there's ways to calculate that in a formula, um, and then you can predict months into the future. And so that's where things get a little, a little uh, interesting, and uh, sometimes folks need some guidance. But uh, certainly, what I've done lots in my career um, uh, with success is to say, okay, if I if I project the next three months forward, um, right? So uh, if I was to look at uh, September, October, November, um, simply because we're heading into uh, the September month here, um, I can look at uh, what was the average census in September over the last three years. I can look at what my average census is going to be in um, in October and November. Um, and, uh, and on balance, if I look at the last three years, right, I might see some fluctuation, but that'll be on or about what the census is going to ride for um, for those months. I can then also look at what are my levels of utilization of PTO, FMLA, um, orientation, things like that, and on balance, add in um, you know, if all things were equal, here's here's my detractors, right? Here are things that are going to pull people away from the bedside uh, where they're uh, fully employed but operationally vacant. Um, and so you can start to piece together pretty quickly what uh, the complexion of a unit is going to look like uh, when you factor in those variables into uh, some some pretty simple uh, formulas. And um, and then, so if we decided that in November, uh, the census was going to be up and the nurse count was going to be down just based on this operational vacancy model, um, you can start to ask for help well ahead of time um, and, um, and either start shifting nurses from other floors, uh, limiting PTO, um, going out and getting domestic travelers, looking for other solutions um, to help make sure that when that time period comes, uh, you've got a solution that you're you're plotting in place um, that will help you make sure that you don't become short-staffed. The predictive model is all built on uh, with the best of the data that you can get, right? If we looked at three years of data uh, against any month in your hospital, what is the predicted census? Uh, what is the utilization rate of PTO? Uh, what, on average, is your FMLA rate? 
how many folks on your unit are, um, you know, 62, 63 and approaching that 65, 66-year-old age bracket and therefore uh, would represent loss over the next couple of years um, on, on your particular unit of all things are equal. Um, and it just turns out we can put all of that into a formula to at least help you predict the places where you're going to have higher census and, um, and uh, more folks that are operationally vacant for one reason or another. In terms of the reports that the typical unit manager will get from um, from their uh, financial function at the hospital is, uh, you know, what their average daily census has been. Uh, they will get information around, um, you know, what their overall headcount is. Um, but it's really hard to smash those things together and look at what is the predicted census over a future time period against what my staffing level will be. So the two ways to think about that are one, true vacancy, uh, which are the number of positions by budget you're allowed to have on a particular nursing unit um, against uh, against what you have, right? So if I'm budgeted for 10 total positions and I have eight of them filled, um, then I've got a 20% uh, gap, right? I've got two positions that are clearly not filled. And uh, and that would be my true vacancy, right? And that might seem like um, the entirety of the story. But in fact, there's another layer that's a little deeper than that, where we can look at um, who is in a uh, full-time equivalent, right, an FTE that's uh, in a filled position, but that person is not productive to the care that that's happening at the bedside. And so when uh, when we look at those things, uh, what you will see is that you have filled um, positions that are out on FMLA, uh, right, and have uh, injuries, et cetera, that, uh, that will keep them out of work, uh, yet they hold down a full-time position. Uh, we'll see nurses that are just on vacation or uh, traveling to conferences, et cetera. Um, and so these would be people that are full-time employed, uh, but they're not where the care transacts. They're not at the bedside. Uh, they're out doing other things. Um, you might have orientees on your floor uh, that are just not fully productive yet. They're learning, and so they have reduced uh, work assignments, et cetera. And so uh, all of those things can be added into the formula. Uh, and so if I go back to my original example where we talk about uh, you know having 10 total positions um, and two positions that are vacant, um, you know, I, I would say that unit's probably not in too bad a shape. Um, if we look at their operational vacancy level, um, they might have a couple of FTEs at any one point in time that are out on vacation. They might have a couple of people who are out uh, getting surgeries or uh, maternity leaves, et cetera. And so uh, the actual total loss to one of the units, um, they may only have six active positions out of the 10, uh, if you go back to my example, uh, that are actively engaged to the work. Um, so what that means is on a financial report, the unit might look fairly healthy because uh, eight out of 10 positions are filled. Uh, but if we look deeper at any point in time, uh, it could be as low as you only have half of the staff that you need to run um, that patient census and take care of those patients. And that's where units get into trouble. That's where um, they are operationally uh, so vacant um, that uh, they don't have enough people to supply the staff. And so, um, A, it's important to color that in and understand those things. Uh, B, it might lead to conversations around how do we thoughtfully um, dole out PTO, uh, who can go and who can't, um, what, what is, uh, you know, sort of the health of my staff, are, are there lots of, um, you know, expectant moms, are there lots of folks who, um, you know, might have future surgery needs, et cetera. And you can start to be predictive over uh, what on any given day 
is going to be your future um, nurse count or your nurse uh, patient count, and then what is the likely nurse count uh, to that patient count. And so um, there, there's ways to calculate that in a formula, um, and then you can predict months into the future. To learn more about predictive staffing models and other industry-relevant solutions, head to our website at healthcarousel.com. That's health, C-A-R-O-U-S-E-L.com, or follow the link in the show notes. The Workforce Solution is a storytelling series brought to you by Health Carousel, a world-class healthcare staffing and workforce solutions company designed to improve lives and make healthcare work better.